Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. This is the last episode we're doing for a while. I'm not sure how long we'll be taking a break for, but uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It's a, it's an amazing one, and um, and you know you can still reach out to me on Facebook or uh, at drdonmcdonald.com and and uh, reach out to me and then we'll see. I might be firing it back up here in a bit, but I'm going to take a little bit of a break. So um, thanks for listening. Thanks for all your reviews and all that, and I uh, really appreciate that. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And don't forget to like always crush that curse. Hello, everybody, and Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, and today I get to head down to our neighbors to the south, the United States, and we get to go down and visit Baltimore, Maryland. And the really cool thing about Baltimore, Maryland is when I released my book, The Underdog Curse, I actually did a little media tour, and I actually went on the news in Baltimore, which is hilarious because I flew down there and got interviewed on TV, and uh, it's a cool little city, and it just happens to be our next guest is from there. Um, we've known her for the last about six months um, really well because she's been in the shift and she's been in the, the engine and she came to, to our Transformers Mastermind. And uh, she has a really cool story, so I can't wait to share it with all the rest of you out there. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Sharon Dongera. Well, thank you. It's always fun to, fun time. It's always fun to spend time with you, Don. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I, what I really like to do is we'll, we'll get to get into the story because she has some really cool things that, that she's been working through in the last little bit, and we'll get that in a bit. But, but like I like to do is we want to kind of get to know who is Sharon and how did she even find out about chiropractic in the first place? So how did your journey in chiropractic start? Oh, gosh. Well, I would say that... I first found chiropractic because I was suffering from depression. Mm -hmm. um, I was under the care of a primary care physician and I was having talk therapy and was trying a variety of different drugs. I didn't really know about a holistic lifestyle at all. Um, I thought I was doing everything right to take care of myself. I had a lot a history of just a ton of stress. Uh, both in childhood and with my, my career path. And so no wonder, right? I, I, I didn't necessarily have good skills to manage that stress and it affected my physiology. So go figure. Um, and I remember talking to my primary care physician about just, you know, I heard all over and what did he think about chiropractic? And I really give a lot of credit to this person because instead of uh, being a naysayer or or questioning my, my inquiry, what he said was, well, I think it's like everything else. There are good practitioners and there are bad practitioners, which is just about the most fair answer that you could really give somebody when they're asking you any question, right? Right. And so I said, well, do you know of a good one? And he said, yeah, I do. And he um, uh, introduced me to my now friend, John Mitchie, who practices in Annapolis, um, Maryland. He's a wonderful chiropractor. And uh, I remember laying on John's table and, and he adjusted my atlas. And I was just like, whoa, you know, and just in that moment, I thought, I thought, wow, like, I want to do what this guy does. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I can't begin to tell you how far out of the realm that was for me, right? I was not in a place, I mean, where I would have some great big thought like, oh, I want to, I want to go be a chiropractor. Like there was no greatness happening in my life. In fact, I couldn't get out of bed 
um, to go to work. You know what I mean? It was it was pretty significant and severe and um, debilitating depression on my end. And so to just even have like a thought of something that I wanted to do was really powerful. And then of course I walked out of the office and I just felt like my head was on a swivel and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just the most amazing, incredible thing I've ever felt. And I remember getting in the car and like being real easy with my seatbelt. Like I don't want to mess this up. You know, like this is, this is, this is how you're supposed to feel. Um, And that was kind of like, it was love at first sight for me in chiropractic. And I credit chiropractic for really kind of pulling me out of that that depression because all the other things that that were great you know the the talk therapy was all great you know getting things out and and important and i would never discourage anybody from doing that but the medication was really just kind of numbing me and and really making things worse because then it was making it harder to filter through what was going on for me right right um uh, but it was really that chiropractic care that just started kicking me over over the edge and eventually i i i did decide i'm going to go be a chiropractor now, on when you're uh, for your first chiropractor, he's like a vitalistic chiropractor who's just like yeah. yeah. And so, did, like, did he explain you know did the chiropractic story and stuff like that? And did you did you kind of understand it like right away, or or was it something that had to sink in over time, or how how did that? How did that well, I definitely didn't understand it right away. I mean, I was like everybody else. You know, I was open and I was willing to to approach chiropractic in a way that it would help my body feel better. You know, I was avoiding pain. I didn't, you know. And of course, he he was explaining everything, and I think I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we're taking he's taking an X ray of me, and I forgot. I said, oh, I forgot to tell you something. I, I, you know, sometimes I just like, I shiver my head a little bit. Like just, you know, I have this like uncontrollable shiver of my head. And he goes, ah, neurological. And I was like, what? Forget it. Forget I said it. Never mind. It's not there. It's not real. Like literally. And poor John was like, (sighs) I just like totally scared this person away. Because I think whenever you start talking about neurology and the brain and that there may be something wrong or something impeded or some sort of signal dampened, I think it can be pretty intimidating for people. Right. Yeah. So as is typical for me, I was just like, I'm just going to just hide. I'm just going to duck right underneath that wave. And we're just going to pretend like there's nothing neurological actually wrong with me. Right. Right. Um, so it was just kind of an, it was an interesting moment for both of us there. Well, isn't that funny? Because I think the general public think when you say neurological, they think of pathology, like that there's a pathology, there's yeah. not an interference. And I think yeah. that the, the thing is, it can be a scary thing, but it also can be a relieving thing. Because if you know, it's actually an interference, then you're like, Hey, you can, you can, you can remove or improve interferences a lot easier than you can fix pathologies. Right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> So that's really cool. That's just, I just had that thought flash of like for chiropractic out there. Like that's a cool thing. Cause it like, you know, yeah. like, Hey, it's irritation to the nervous system. You can remove that. It's not like there's a right. pathology, right? Right. So, so how long were you under care before you said like you, you cause I know you had the thought flash mm-hmm. that you're like, Hey, maybe yeah. I could do this. But when was it the time where you really said, Hey, I'm going to do this. It was probably a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I ended up moving away from the Annapolis area uh, to the Baltimore area. And, you know, as we, we, people tend to do, I was very attached to my chiropractor because, you know, they, they listen and they care about what you're going through and they actually do something to help make you feel better and be better. Um, And so when I moved away for a while, I drove, you know, like, two hours to to actually go see him relatively on the regular. And then that just got a little cumbersome, you know? And so I just, I, I, I I can't do that anymore or I chose not to do that anymore. And, and, you know, and so I just kind of fell off because, you know, 
who I really was wasn't all that different at that time. You know, I felt different. My physiology was working better. I was at a higher level, but I still had the same patterns and things. So it was like, what was good for me um, was still easy to just kind of be like, okay, well, I'm better now. And so I probably six or seven months later started feeling like crap again. And then I, I messaged him and I said, Hey, look, you know, I, I, uh, I think I need you to refer me to somebody in this area. And he did, he referred me to another great chiropractor and I got to know him very well. And, and, uh, he, he was really instrumental in helping me to, uh, just kind of bite the bullet and go to chiropractic, uh, school. So probably I would say I was under his care for about a year, you know, for, for uh, vitality care and and he just every day did you apply to chiropractic school yet every time i would come in i'd be like no <laughs> i don't know if i get accepted and he's like uh you have a pulse and a checkbook you will be accepted you know <laughs> that's hilarious so and a heart too yeah no and a heart yeah. yeah so um that's that's interesting so did was he was a very vitalistic chiropractor as well hey yeah at the time yeah what were you doing what were you, what was your job that you were doing at the time well, at the time that I finally, where it all came together for me, I was working at the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Mm. And I think that's where I got the ability to really understand how, how involved the nervous system is in the human body, right? Because if you have MS, you, you, you may have these particular symptoms, but really it could be anything, mm -hmm. right? It could really be anything. I mean, fatigue, pain, incontinence, lack of speech, vision, like, you know, all of the things. And right. so it really, I really was like, oh, now I really get the importance of a healthy nervous system, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also began to wonder like, well, why would a, why would a healthy body attack its own nervous system, you know? And that kind of made me really hunger for, you know, some, some better solution of, of things that people were dealing with and how they were being treated and stuff. And prior to that, um, my first real job was working for the American Red Cross. And so I traveled with the military um, overseas and in the U.S. and I provided emergency communications between military members and their family. And so that was a really rewarding time, but it was also an incredibly stressful time because um, that, was, that was during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, okay, for the American military. And so while I was not in the military, I was traveling under military orders. And so I was bound by military law in these places. So I was very closeted about who I was as a lesbian. Nobody knows that. So there's the big reveal. Uh, <laughs> yes. She's a lesbian. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, and, and it wasn't that I, you know what it was? It wasn't, a, I wasn't allowed to be authentic about who I was. Right. And it wasn't that I was meeting anybody that was terribly um, judgmental or anything like that, but you would be in these high stress situations with people. You would make connections with people. They would talk about their spouses or their family members or whatever. And I had this significant other that I could just never talk about right. and, you know, never reveal. And of course, unwanted attention that just, you know, that I had to come up with a reason why I wasn't interested as if you really need one. But, yeah. um, you know, it was just, it was just weird. It was just, it was, it was additional stress to an already stressed out system. Yeah. Um, and then uh, unfortunately, while I was there, of course, before I deployed to a lot of these places, I was revaccinated again and then actually um, received the anthrax vaccine. And I do believe that was, that was a big turning point for me and just really my cup runneth, runneth over at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, I don't think it was just that uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I could definitely see a decline in my, my ability to manage life after that. 
Yeah, it's kind of just accumulated load and that was kind of just pushing exactly, around. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And just, and I didn't want to do it. And I, and again, I knew nothing about any of that stuff. I just knew that, like, you know, there was golf war syndrome and that it was a questionable one. And I just knew, you know, I had no problem getting all the other ones. I had, you know, you know, no, no issue with that. But it, I just knew that one particular was like, oh, what? I don't think that I want that one. And I was kind of forced into it. So, yeah. So, so then you, you, um, so you did that first, then this, and then you, then you decided to be a chiropractor. Yeah. So then, um, you yeah. went to Life University, did you? Yeah, I did. And how did you pick Life, Life University? Um, well, both of my, both of my chiropractors went to Life University and in looking, I just really liked that they, they had the philosophy of chiropractic down and the reputation to graduate people that knew how to adjust. Yeah. And I didn't want to just be a chiropractor. I wanted to be able to deliver. And then, you know, geographically it was relatively close to my family. So yeah, it was, it was, I could get to my parents if I needed to in a day. Oh, cool. My car and get there. Yeah. So, uh, so how was that? How, how was, how was it like when you first got to the campus? Cause it's a beautiful campus down yeah. there. Right. And it so, um, like I went to Palmer and we, we just, cause we had the, we had the Palmer life game. So I'd always go yeah. down there and I'd play hockey and we'd play against them and stuff. So how, how was your experience when you first went down there to that beautiful campus? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, I just, I, first of all, I, I just felt like I was in the catbird seat because here I am like actually going to be a chiropractor, you know, which, which didn't even seem like a, like a possibility to have a, a functional life just a, a couple short years before, you know, and here now I'm going to follow my dream to, to be a chiropractor and just the people that I met were just incredible, you know, so I just loved it there. I really still have just a big heart for life. Is there, is there a couple of mentors or, or people that really kind of stuck out to you that kind of really were influential on you when you were at school? Wow. I mean, I had a lot of the instructors there were really powerful and influential there. And I mean, I think one of the, the, I guess the biggest influence was, you know, in motion palpation and, you know, full spine, when you start getting into the feeling and, and the work of being a chiropractor and just the love and patience and the encouragement of that staff was just really incredible and insightful and, and, and really imp important for somebody like me who really needed that kind of extra encouragement, you know, uh -huh. just so kind of get you yeah, excited and pumped up about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, Guy Reekman, I mean, that guy, he can, he can inspire anybody, right? So he would yeah. give talks at, you know, school and I would just get really pumped up. So it was a great time. And I saw uh, Joe Dispenza speak there, which yeah. was awesome. And we just had a, just a lot of great people come in and help influence and a little part of who I am today. That's so cool. So 2010, you graduate. And yep. then what did you do after that? Where, where'd you go? So we graduated on a Friday. We had some family, my family come um, to, to the graduation, which was really, really awesome. My mom and my dad got to be there and we had just had our, our, our daughter, Lulu. Um, so she was kind of a little brand new, freshy fresh, about three months old. And um, so we graduated on a Friday and we told everybody, we guys, we're going to pack up the house. We packed up the house over the weekend. We gave them all boxes and tape and uh, hit the road on Sunday and moved back to Baltimore, yeah. um, found a place to live on Monday, unpacked the car or the U-Haul, and then uh, from there, um, 
we just kind of hit the ground running, right? I had to wait until I could get my licensure. And then when I did, I went and I associated with that second chiropractor for a while. And then after that, I just realized I really wanted to see more kids um, mm -hmm. and go a little bit more vital than, you know, I mean, he, he definitely was all about the subluxation, um, but, you know, still very insurance-based. And, and I think that was really stressful and really hard on him because his heart was one thing and then his his business mind was another way, right? And so it wasn't a tremendous amount of congruency there. Right. Um, so I just wanted to to kind of branch out from that. And so I opened my own place. That's so how did how did you how did you do that? Did you just kind of go around looking for a place or did you buy an existing practice or how did you start that up starting off on your own? Well, I I just I found a place that was gonna be a useful space and I bought a couple tables and a couple computers and got my insight and just opened the doors and fortunately we had around this time we had our second kid and we we had home births with both of them um and we with our second i really kind of got indoctrinated into the home birth community here and it was really just serendipitous for me to be completely honest that then they're like oh this is the chiropractor the new chiropractor in the area and she specializes in you know babies and pregnant women and so it just was really just perfect timing that's so cool and so did you like just talking about kids did you um do any extra training like did you know that you wanted like how, how did you kind of know that you wanted to kind of focus in on on children more yeah, good question. So I didn't know that until I was in school. Mm -hmm. And then I started learning really more and more and more about chiropractic. And it's like, okay, well, this is, this is, we got to adjust the kids, right? So I think that once you really understand what the mechanism is that helps chiropractic with the many mechanisms that help chiropractic be effective in people's healthcare, you realize that the, the children are really where we should be focusing. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because I feel like with everybody else, you're just, you're kind of catching up. You know right. what I mean? But with the yeah. kids, you can just say, well, we're not, we're, we're trying to avoid these compensation patterns that are causing these problems to begin with. Right. Um, so probably, you know, in school. And then of course, as I had my own kids, mm -hmm. there was a big passion for adjusting kids there. At like, yeah. I'm just noticing that too. Now that we have our dog Lux, I'm like, now I'm suddenly more interested in adjusting dogs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. It always depends on your values, right? How you're, where you're Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, so at the beginning, when you first start to grow your practice, because again, we have, you know, chiropractors might have just coming out of school and just opening up practice. Um, what were some of the things you did at the very beginning? Because when you start from zero, that's pretty daunting with nobody. Yeah. How did you start yeah. getting out there? Well, I went to like birth circles, you know, mm -hmm. so I kind of went to where the moms were hanging out. I went there. I, um, and, and really through the Baltimore birth circle, I was able to meet just a lot of really incredible people who were already holistically minded and were like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. Um, and, you know, went to breastfeeding circles and did screenings, you know, all of the regular things that you do. But to to be honest, Anna, I was just really lucky and fortunate that people would say, go see Dr. D, you know, I mean, my philosophy is, is if I care for somebody like, like they were my sister or my mom or my dad or my friend, yeah. you know, then I'm always going to put their needs first. And as long as I'm telling them the truth and taking care of them the best way they can, however the chips fall, I've done my job. Right. And I think people feel that. Mm -hmm. And, and so they trust me with their family and friends. So I've been really fortunate in that way. 
Well, I think that's so, uh, so important too for chiropractors to learn is that not only just getting um, referrals from your own practice members, but also finding, we call them referral hubs, where mm-hmm. if you'd like you say, if you go to birthing centers or something where, or even massage therapists or, or, or anything like that, we, you can even go to medical doctors, right? Because there's, yeah. I, I get the top referring from a medical doctor, but that just became from a personal relationship. And then they got to slowly learn a bit about chiropractic. So, so that's really cool is that you, you basically yeah. found some, some referral hubs Mm-hmm. And, and created a really good relationship with them, right? So that they just started referring people to you, which is awesome. Absolutely. That's cool. So um, let's get into the next little bit. How, how did practice go? Because what, what year was that when you uh, had your own, your own, when you opened your own practice? That was 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did it go? Yeah. It so like, so, so like you kind of, you opened your doors and did, did you kind of grow right away or did it take a little while or did you plateau or tell us a little process about how you grow, how the practice grew at the beginning? Yeah. So I, I opened my doors and I just brought Archer with me for a little while and it was just me for a little while and just, uh, the phone started ringing, you know, and then the phone started ringing more and more and more. And then I hit this point where I was like, oh my God, I got to get somebody in here to help me. And then all of a sudden everything kind of like, <laughs> dropped right because I was a little bit attracting like this is more than I can handle right right so as (laughs) as nature does it kind of drops a little bit and then I got somebody in and got somebody up to speed and then we just kind of grew a little little bit more um and now here we are that's so cool so tell us a little bit about um because you uh, first started with the Vitality Engine or the Vitality Shift. And, and yes. when, when did you find out about the Vitality Shift and kind of where were some of the, the point, the things that you implemented off that program? Yeah. So I found out about the Vitality Shift because I was following Brandy on Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And I was following Brandy on Facebook because I had met her at Epic. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought it was, I actually, before I joined the shift online, you guys did the shift in Boston, right? Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I was just like, this is just an opportunity to be face to face with Brandy and, you know, get, get some, some Brandy in, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so I had took my staff member and we went up to Boston and spent the weekend there um, and got the kind of the, that going on. And then when the online program came out, of course, I got into the online program. And then at the, you know, when you can purchase the online program, it was purchased the implementation. And I was like, Oh, I would be foolish not to do that. So I did that. And then the rest is history from there. Right. (laughs) That's so cool. Now, one of the things that we, and working with you that we we've um, we've kind of discovered, and I think this will be helpful for some chiropractors out there Mm -hmm. is that, is that your um, being chiropractor and then just dealing with anxiety? And, yeah. and I was wondering if you could just talk about kind of what that what that experience is like, and kind of what it, what are some of the things you've done to just to you know you never get rid of it totally, but just yeah. to kind of become more resilient. Yeah. Well, one of the things obviously is I get adjusted, right? So, I mean that's an imperative for me. I know that if I'm if I'm feeling anxious and I haven't been adjusted, then shame on me. Right. So there's, there's, there's obviously that. Um, and, and the anxiety that I had then, even now when I have it and it's bad is, is nothing. It's like a drop in the bucket. Right. So there's nothing about it that wasn't functional at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since I've been a chiropractor, but I think that the most important thing with the anxiety was just beginning to realize, and, and I want to be real careful with this because, you know, there's, there's a tendency to victim blame. 
mm-hmm. with different things. You know what I mean? And so yeah. if you're listening to this and you have anxiety and you hear what I say, I don't want you to take it as a, as that I'm blaming you for your situation. Cause that's not at all what it is, mm-hmm. but it's more like responsive, taking responsibility. It, it's more than, like, yeah. And just kind of like coaching yourself along. So what, what I, what, what I have been fortunate enough to have pointed out to me by you and Brandy, of course, <laughs> is that sometimes when I'm anxious about things, it's, it's not even things I can, I can do anything about. It's just me being anxious for the sake of being anxious. Okay. Mm. So that's just like, well, what is the motivation behind you doing that? Right. And then that there comes the understanding of the addiction cycle in my life. Right. Uh, where I do this, I kind of ramp myself up so that I can get that. The anxiety was just beginning to recognize when I was, when I was just kind of being gluttonous about it for lack of a better word, right? Like stressing about things that I can't control over or just kind of perturbating on them, letting them stew and getting myself all upset so that that cortisol would trigger so that I'd end up with my little hit of dopamine at the end, right? Right. That'll um, like give me a shot so I can get through that. Yeah, exactly. So, so I guess that the big thing was just kind of coming to the awareness that it's like, okay, when I am feeling anxious, what's going on? Like, is there really something to be anxious about? And let's face it, we all have things to actually be anxious about in our life. And I think that there's a function for anxiety because if we weren't ever anxious, would we ever do anything? You know, Great. I don't know. I maybe wouldn't. I might watch TV all day. <laughs> so, um, so that was that was a big thing for me, you know. And then I think, um, well, it was the hugest thing, frankly. I, outside of chiropractic care itself, I think just just beginning to have that understanding that that there was a cycle that I was getting something out of being anxious. Okay. That it wasn't just, it wasn't just a habit. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just some sort of chemical imbalance that I was victim to that. It was something that I I was actually getting something out of it, even though I think that I thought that I didn't want it. I was actually getting something out of it. And, uh, and, and that it was really robbing me of the quality of life that I actually really wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, like when you first heard that, that you're getting something out of it. Yeah. Um, what was your initial response? Did, was it, was it, was it a discussion with Brandy that, that, that kind of came around or, or when did that kind of come around where you kind of realized I'm getting something out of it? And and what was your response to it? Was you like, no, there's no way I'm getting something out of it. Yeah. I think it was on the, the, the shifter call, the one that I said, I'm going to do this implementation call. And I just kind of, it was funny because it was supposed to be an implementation call, but I remember just typing out to you guys be like, listen, I don't have any questions about the shift. I'm good on the shift. I've got that. I know chiropractic. I know vitality. Thank you. <laughs> awesome tests. But I'm like, I think I need some help. And I don't think I'm coachable by the way. You yeah. Know? So I think it was on that call, you know, and I had, you know, the the concept of being addicted to the stress hormones wasn't new. That was something that I had seen her say before. Um, But I think it was during that conversation that I realized that I was getting something out of it because just like the underdog curse, everybody roots for the underdog. Nobody expects anybody with anxiety to really do anything that they don't want to do either. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. It was just, it was just this crutch that I, I was able to, to, to use. And I had to just recognize and say, I, I can't really do that anymore if I want to have the kind of life that I want to have. And so when you started to be more aware of that and stop using that as maybe an excuse, right? And again, we're not yeah. blaming or anything like that, right. but just of using course. it as an excuse so that you don't, don't, you don't have to do something and maybe disappoint people or, or something yeah. like that. Was it pretty challenging at the beginning? And, and 
and and did it take does it take a time does it still come back to you regularly or or how how's that process go well of course right because that's just that's just my mode of operandi from forever yeah you know what i mean like from yeah. when i was a little little kid and so yeah that's the the subconscious driver in my mind is just you know going along about that but what i know is when i feel that level of discomfort it's so jarring that then my educated mind comes in and then once the educated mind is in it's it's relatively easy you know um, particularly with the anxiety I find resentment is a little bit more addictive than anxiety even you know when you're just kind of like oh this that or the other yeah um, so that's a little bit actually harder uh, to set down mm -hmm. uh, for, for one reason or another but it's just I think it's just about creating that awareness that there's something not right right something in the state of Denmark is <laughs> is not at ease here yeah. Um, and just stop, just w whatever it is that you're doing, just stop and just kind of scratch that record a little bit and do something different. So you kind of, you, you say you kind of go up into the head, right? To, yeah. to, to kind of, but the, and then do you, do you go, then you go back into your physiology or go back into the, to the heart, heart zone to try to get more, to get that physiology down or how do you, how do you do that? That's a good question. I get, I think that I just realized that I have this internal dialogue that's just going, you know, about, mm. oh my gosh, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, and then yeah. when I real, when I start feeling like, like I'm uncomfortable, then I'm like, okay, you're doing it again. And then just stopping, you right. know, it's literally just stopping. It's, I don't know that I necessarily do anything, but it's just maybe to take a few deep breaths, you know, um, just, just not allow that to continue. So it's more just like interrupting the pattern, just going, okay, let's just not like keep this going. Exactly. That's cool. That's And again, I know I did a lot of work with uh, Tony Robbins and he's like half the part is if you can just interrupt the pattern, um, it's going to actually just by interrupting the pattern, it actually creates awareness. Um, and I just finished reading a book uh, or going to an audio book calling Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon yeah. Hill. And it was pretty cool because he has... Uh, he has a process where they call it um, hypnotic rhythm. And, uh, and so it's, it, if anyone's ever read it, it's a really kind of cool book because especially on audiobook because they have the devil and uh, Napoleon Hill are, are by two different speakers and they talk back and forth and the devil talks like this. And it's really, it's actually quite funny because he's actually, the devil is telling people how to be unsuccessful. So it's like reverse yeah. psychology, but he talks about hypnotic rhythm and the, the importance of breaking hypnotic rhythm. And this is what happens when something kind of, you know, we perceive as bad goes on in our life or something that really fires us up. It, it actually, if we think of it as a trigger, which stops our hypnotic rhythm, because we're just kind of going in that rhythm because we, we, we can use hypnotic rhythm for a good, or we can use it for to not be good where, sure. where we don't want to go. So that's kind of interesting because even just by stopping, it actually bring, it brings your awareness back in mm -hmm. so that you're not just kind of on that, like, Oh yeah, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking yeah. out. I'm freaking out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that you you kind of gave me at the the Transformers Mastermind was the ridiculous standing in front, you know, and just being like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm just kind of boogieing, and and I do that. I do that. I do do that quite a lot. Actually. So if it's really bad, like if it's not just you know if I'm driving along and I'm feeling a little anxious, and I I can do that. If it's really bad, like it's um I'll go do that. And I don't just do it with anxiousness anymore. I do it um. In fact, I had a really beautiful family gathering on a Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I was just kind of overcome by all of my family being there and uh, watching. I had my, my niece visiting from Arizona and just seeing her uh, with, the, I was just, I'm, a, I'm emotional. I'm a free emoter. And so I just, yeah. 
But I was like, this isn't how I really, you know, joy is not really supposed to be articulated with, with sobbing and tears. And, and, and it always has been that way for me. And I've always just kind of said, well, that's just how I do it. Yeah. But I don't accept those anymore. I don't uh -huh. accept these limiting ideas about, well, this is just me anymore, right? Cool. It's like, okay, it's okay to cry if you're happy. That's fine. But we're talking ugly cry. You know what I mean? We're <laughs> talking true. where the body and the physiology should be cultivating joy. I'm like, really, like, even though I'm happy. You're losing it. Yeah, so I just kind of like went into my brother's bathroom and was just in front of the mirror. It was just like, I'm feeling happy. And I'm just kind of like telling my body what it's supposed to be feeling right now. It's endorphins and joy and good things and not sadness, you know, and then, and then going out and, and enjoying that, right? And doing that for me, but also doing that for everyone else that's there. Mm -hmm. That's so funny because I, I shared that. I might I don't know if I shared that at Mastermind, but I know when I was doing Leadership Academy with uh, Tony Robbins, um, one of the, my limiting beliefs was just I'm not good enough. Like whether and that was before I wrote my book, and like I always yeah. wanted to write a book, but I'm not good enough. So why am I doing that? Yeah. And so I had to uh, when we were in our group. Like I said, at least you're around loving people when I made you do it, <laughs> Transformers, because uh, we were in the lobby of a hotel. And all the other people in the lobby were not at the seminar. And I had to cluck like a chicken and buck around saying I'm not good enough in front of everybody. And now every time I think of it, I just can't, I can't even go into that state because I just smile because I'm like, okay, that yeah. totally. Because if you can crush that state with yeah. interrupting the pattern, you're like, okay, cool. Now I can actually maybe create my own state that I want rather than something that was programmed in from who knows again when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. You did tell me that. But, you know, it's just, I don't think you'd ever be able to request that of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you'd just be like, I don't know, that would be too hard on Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But you did it, and you felt, and you were you're oh, like, totally you're not did. being serious, right? And I said, no, actually, we're, I am being serious. Like, you, yeah. Yeah, Want you ahead. to do it. Yeah, do it. Want you to, like, boogie <laughs> awkwardly in front of oh, that's all hilarious. these people. But they were a good, loving, safe group of people to do that, so. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Now you do it all the time, so it's great. So it's, it's, I just it's do fun. it, yeah. Yeah, if I feel like if I'm having trouble shaking myself out of them, I'm like, this is appropriate. Yeah, so I did it before this call. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the power of intention, because this is a kind of a cool little exercise we did okay. with Transformers. And, yeah. uh, and, and um, you had such a cool, uh, you had a really cool story about it. So, so why don't you just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what the, what the uh, assignment was, and then sure. how, how challenging it was for you, sure. and then the cool thing that happened after. Okay. <laughs> so you gave us an assignment to come up with, I think it was a hundred things. That 75, we, just the 75. Okay. So se well, it might as well have been a thousand. Yeah, exactly. Right? Okay. So 75 things that I kind of simmered down to that you either want to be, do, or aspire to. Mm -hmm. So 75 things that we, we really wanted. So I just, you know, okay, I'm going to start this list. And I started right away and I was probably the last person to hand it in because it took me forever to come up with 75. I mean, really, like I'm at 70 and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to come up with five more? Which was just an interesting insight into in and of itself to realize that I have no idea what it is that what my, you know, outside of what I've already attained, what it is that my, my big desires are. So it was a, it was an interesting thing. Everything was how I relate myself to other people or like like a thing that I wanted to have or not really like something that I wanted to accomplish in life. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've always been a huge fan of Melissa Etheridge, you know, 
Just yeah. a big, huge fan of Melissa Etheridge. It's cliche. I know. I don't care. I love it anyway. <laughs> you go, girl. And so, and 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 I, I do believe that the universe just provided Melissa Etheridge almost exclusively for me, if I do say so. <laughs> uh, because she, so she released um, her album, Yes, I Am, in 1993, which is kind of like the big coming out thing, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. And so... Sorry, I won't sing. I would terrify everybody. You go, but, girl. No, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> Only in my car. Uh, so, so she. I graduated high school in 1993, and she released this album. And so, I spent a lot of time listening to you know this this anthem. Yes, yes, I am. It's okay. Who I am is okay. And this was important for me because I grew up in a really rural area on the eastern shore of Maryland. So there were farmers and, you know, chicken farmers and watermen and very conservative politics and, and being gay was not okay. Okay. Right. Um, and so it was kind of a big deal, right? It was kind of, and, not, and my family was loving and accepting. So I was lucky in that way, but, but acceptance was a thing in the greater community. Okay. Yeah. So here I have this, this anthem. And when I first graduated from high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Big shock because of the 75 list, right? Um, <laughs> so all those years later, so I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, uh, and so I started attending Chesapeake College. I thought, well, maybe I'll be a paralegal because, you know, it's not quite, you don't quite have to be smart enough to be a lawyer, but, you know. So I started taking these paralegal classes at Chesapeake College. And it, that wasn't my path, obviously, right? And so I ended up transferring out and got an associates in human services at a different college um, nearby. But but what happened was after the Transformers Mastermind, I had I had put on my list of seventy five that I really wanted to adjust Melissa Etheridge. Like that's one of my things. I really. <laughs> that's awesome goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it, it, and it's a foregone conclusion in my mind. It's just it hasn't quite happened yet. So there's a spoiler of the story. So I, um, we, we, she had this 25 year anniversary concert, believe it or not, you're not even gonna believe it at this school, at this Chesapeake college, right? This performing arts center. They opened this new performing arts center and they got Melissa Etheridge to headline it through the Avalon theater. And, and, uh, we were going, my wife and I were going to go with a really good friend of ours, Allie. And, um, and when we got to the concert, she was like, um, Sharon, my, this is my friend, Tim. He's going to take you back to meet Melissa Etheridge, you know? Um, yeah. So I kind of like over so the whole great. garlic breath part of the story, I guess, which yeah. is silly, but... Uh, but you should add it in because it's funny. I got added in, all right? I'm trying to like trying to make it brief for you because I can be too terribly chatty. But essentially that morning, my wife and I were eating these pickled mushrooms because my brother and I had been foraging. We had pickled these mushrooms, um, which are very delicious, by the way. So if you want the recipe, hit me up. I'll let you know. It's very, very delicious. <laughs> and of the forest. And we pickled these mushrooms, but they're very, very garlicky. And I said to Katie in the morning, I said, babe, I'm going to eat the shit out of these mushrooms. And I, my breath is going to be so bad. It is going to guarantee that today is the day that I meet Melissa Etheridge. So of course we get to the concert and I've been eating these mushrooms all day and we shared them with Allie, but we get there and she says, so Sharon, this is my friend, Tim. He works at the Avalon. He's actually going to take you back to meet Melissa Etheridge. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> And so I was in, the, I was actually in the hall, you know, waiting to meet Melissa Etheridge. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe, like, do you have a mint? Is a mint? Anybody have a mint? I have this. And so I start to get anxious, you know, as I'm wont to do. And I don't really know what I would even say to Melissa Etheridge, you know, this is going to be 30 seconds. I'm a great chiropractor. I've never gotten anybody face down in the hole in 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. 
So I'm just like, I start panicking a little bit. And then, and then I just like, like, you know, I'm just going to conjure Dr. D up here. So I just kind of conjured my higher self, my chiropractor self. And I was just like, and then it occurred to me that, oh yeah, Melissa Etheridge gets to meet Dr. D today, you know? Yeah. So eventually we go in and, and I meet her and I'm just kind of, you can see in the pictures, it's hilarious because I'm just kind of trying to stay like real far away from her face. Um, and I feel like that's just the beginning for me and Melissa Etheridge. I do hope to adjust her one day. Um, like I said, 30 seconds, that, that'd be pretty miraculous. But that's pretty cool. It was only like two months later you'd hit written her down only in your list. Did you meet her? Two months later. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. That's awesome. I yeah. love that. So um, one of the questions I always like um, to ask my listeners is, is I call it the Terminator question, right? When if mm-hmm. you could, if you could zip back in time and and talk to your younger self, um, what kind of advice? So even like if you just graduated or even younger than that, and and knowing what you know now, what kind of things would you give your younger self for advice? Oh wow. I think I would just say you're, you're okay. You're going to be okay. You know, and you're enough and just be you. It's going to be okay. And that's so it's not complicated, you know yeah. what I mean? But I think for me there there's with that anxiety is that that's that, that comes from that fight or flight, right? Like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Am I going to be a thousand? It's going to be okay. It's going to hurt. I'm not going to die. What's going to happen? You know, I'm going to be financially ruined. You know, Oh, <laughs> people are going to think this about me. People are going to, you know, all this stressful stuff, just relax. It's okay. It's all going to work out okay. I don't know. I'm not at the end of my life. Maybe I'm going to take some bumps and bruises that I'm, I'm not too excited about. But right here in this moment, I'm okay. Yeah. And just, you know, cultivating that. Because really, I remember my dad telling me a story about when he was a little boy, he would sit on the stoop and he would wait for his mom to come home from work. And he said, if you just lean forward a little bit and look up the street, he could see where she would get off the bus and come down the street, you know? And he said, he told me he remembers like sitting on that step and attributing his worry to her coming home safely every day. And so, you know, bless his heart, somehow that was passed to him. And then that was passed to me. And it's just this idea that worry is like an homage that as long as you worry, that things will be okay. But, you know, I, so I think that's what I would say. It's things are going to be okay, whether you worry or not, or they're not going to be okay, whether you worry or not, they're going to be what they are, you know, and you spend so much time worrying and so much vital energy worrying that you don't have any, any energy left to actually give yourself the options to make the choices to avoid tragedies or manage tragedies because they happen, you know? Right. My mom died a few years ago and, and, and she did it with a lot of grace and class and style. And, you know, people teach you how to live. You don't expect them to teach you how to die, you know, but she didn't worry about it. She just said, this is it. This is, this is what's happening. And I accept that and I'm going to enjoy my time. And so that's what she did. That's so cool. That's, that's yeah. good. Cause that helps you get there. It's hard to be in the present, right? When you're in that worry zone yeah. and you end up kind of going through your life missing, um, I always called the, when I, then I, right. Yeah. And later on down the light and you're like, shoot, I should have just enjoyed it while, while I was there. Right. Yeah. So, so last couple minutes, I always say, you know, we've got chiropractors out there and underdog nation that might have been beat up, felt that, you know, um, ridiculed or that maybe the evidence-based people said you're witch doctors or something like that or, sure. or whatever. And they drive, people are driving to work. What kind of, um, what kind of words of inspiration would you like to leave the listeners uh, with today? Well, I guess I would say just be you. 
because the thing of it is, is you're not going to please everybody all of the time. And so if you live your life expecting to please all the other people, you're going to leave yourself in the dust, you know? So look at where you're going, look at, look at the trajectory of your life and what's happening and decide. It's just, maybe you just need to take an exit or maybe you need to stay the course. Or maybe you need to look at the baggage in your trunk and, and unload and unpack some of that. Um, but what I would say is if, if you're finding yourself feeling afraid of, of all of those other things, you just, you, you have to liberate yourself from that because you only really do get one life. You know, I can't live my life or create a family based on the idea or the image that, you know, people would normally have, right? Should be a man and a woman. And, right. and, and, and if you believe that, that's okay. I'll be respectful to you and you'll be respectful for me and we can still be friends. Um, but I can't live my life and, and create my own value around what your expectation is of my life. Right. Right. So I just have to look at my inner compass about what feels right for me. So that's pretty much the advice I give to everybody that comes in my office. You mm -hmm. know, don't should all over yourself. I should do this. I should be that. Um, so that's my big advice to everybody. And I always include chiropractic in that. I always say, listen, I'm going to make a recommendation to you. And um, if you're feeling like you should, well, then you're, you're really just saying you don't want to. And, uh, and you need to do something else then, you know. But I, I think that's the, the biggest thing is that you, you only get one life. And you really only have today. And, you know, what you would want for your children is to live a happy, healthy, fulfilled life. And, and, and you have to show them. It doesn't come naturally. You have to, you have to show them how to do that. Mm. Be, be the change you want to see in the world, like Mahatma yeah. Gandhi says, right? Yeah. Be okay with who you are. The, and, and I will say this too. Listen, we're all light and we're all dark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can, be, I can be at work and I can be really serving at a really super high level. And then I can go home and I can be depleted and I can yell at my wife and kids. And that doesn't feel good. And so that's one of the big healing things for me is learning about how to be even in all parts of my life. Don't be a rock star in one place and like a shit show in the other. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Just, just, just be average in every place, everything and then work your way up, yeah. right? Just trying to spread all the energy around. Um, and so I, I think it's really important that we, that we just begin to manage our resources and, and the way that we take care of ourselves and the messages that we tell ourselves about what's going on in our life um, and, and be honest and authentic about who we are. And that, that necessitates that there's some ugliness to look at. And don't look in the mirror and only choose to see the ugly. Right. Don't let someone compliment you and say, you're beautiful or kind or amazing or whatever. You can be humble, I think that's important. But don't negate that. Allow, allow somebody to, to shine that reflective lens on you, to see what you may not be able to see. And don't hate yourself for the ugly. Just accept yourself for the ugly. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys asked me to do um, a video recently for you, and it was right after Halloween. And I, I, I'm not going to lie, I ate like 15 pieces of candy. And, and Don, you know that I, I've had rosacea, and I've been working on this, like, um, diet to, to help heal my gut and heal my rosacea, which, you know, lo and behold, you start doing the right stuff. Things get better. Right. And so yeah. I, of course, uh, have been looking great and feeling great. And, 
ate these 15 pieces of candy and then the next day I need to do this video because it's on my calendar and I almost didn't do it because I like, you know, didn't look great. And I'm like, no, you're going to do this because you made this commitment. This is the time and they've been waiting patiently. You're going to do this video. And I, so, you know what? I was starting to get upset and I said, I'm not going to be upset. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to love the girl that ate the candy. I'm just going to go back. I'm going to think about the girl that ate the candy and I'm going to love the girl that ate the candy. And more importantly, I'm going to love the girl with the red face, you know, and I'm just going to be grateful that now I know 15 pieces of shitty candy is just too much. Maybe, <laughs> five. maybe five would be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the past, what I would have done is I would have just been like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten it. And now I'm done. Now I'm not going to do this video. And then I would have, I would have degraded myself for having eaten it. I would have degraded myself for having the red face. I would have degraded myself for not doing the video. And at the end, what would I have been? Right? So I guess, you know, just accept that there's things that you're going to do that are going to be wrong or bad or ill or whatever. Yep. And don't spend all of your light shoving that shit down. Just love that stuff. You know, I look back at things that I've done that I'm humiliated about or mistakes that I've made or people that I've hurt. And I think, man, I'm just going to love that person. I'm just going to love that person that was rude or unkind or, or didn't show up for something that she was supposed to do because really love is the answer, right? Mm -hmm. Love really is the answer. That's so cool. Well, you know what? I, I think that's the whole theme of this. Be you, right? Be yeah, you. be you. So, Sharon, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. And, and me and Brandy love working with you. It's, it's, been, a, it's been just a, a pleasure to be able to be part of your life. And, and I really thank you for sharing your story with us on the podcast. You guys are awesome. As you know, you've been a real blessing in mine. So thank you guys very much. So all those listeners out there, this is, this is great, man. This is, this is be you, right? This is like, you know, love yourself. Even when things go wrong, we, we kind of do stuff. We disappoint ourselves, but uh, it's, it's all about pulling yourself back up because when you are you, you can get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.